Hello and welcome to the Ram Gad Pod, the Realtors Association of Maui Government Affairs Director podcast. I am your host, Jason Economou, and I am joined today by Albert Hahn, Recycled Water Coordinator for the Wastewater Reclamation Division of the Department of Environmental Management for the County of Maui. Hello, Albert. How's it going? Hey, Jason. How are you? I'm good. I um, just took a sip of my coffee right when I was supposed to start talking. So no way to, to start an interview like an unprofessional way. That's how I prefer to do it. Um, so, Albert, I think that the RAM members might not be familiar with you. Um, before we jump into your backstory and all that jazz, um, give us your elevator pitch of what you do for the county of Maui. So my, my job is to administer the Recycle Water Program. Um, in, in wastewater, there's what we call effluent. After we treat the wastewater, it comes out uh, to a, a usable form. And it's my job to take it from there and to distribute it to whatever clients I can get, you know, infrastructure and to improve infrastructure and to bill and to, to track who has it. And if they're, per, you know, there's also a permitting process to use it. Um, what are what are some of the uses for effluent or treated wastewater? The the main use that that's there is for irrigation, irrigation of landscape or irrigation of of uh, of farm crops. But there's only one farm crop user that's bear or formerly known as Monsanto. Mm. Um, I do want to get into wastewater. But I like to jump back in time, and I want to get to know you before we get into the business talk. So, where are you from? I, uh, I was born in Santa Monica, California. I grew up there. My parents still live there. I went to school. I went to college in California as well, uh, UCSB, Go Gauchos. <laughs> and uh, and after, I'm, I'm a surfer. So after college, I, uh, I wanted to surf in warmer water. And... <laughs> And obviously, Hawaii has much better surf than California. No, no offense to Californians, but so I, I, I followed my 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 favorite hobby out to Hawaii. When did you start surfing? Mm, maybe ten years old or twelve or something. So this has been like a, a lifelong endeavor. Did you know you wanted to move to Hawaii and become a surfer when when you were a kid? No. Yeah. You know, as a, when I was in college, I had a roommate who was whose family was from Hawaii. And when he moved back to, uh, to his parents' house, um, I just came out for one vacation and said, this is the place for me. <laughs> <laughs> it's that easy. Uh, what was your family like? Any brothers, sisters? What did your parents do? Uh, my dad, had, he had a small sh children's shoe store in Santa Monica. And my mom's a retired federal you know, uh, VA nurse. She's a retired VA nurse. My older brother, I have two brothers. My older brother is a fireman in LA, which we've, they have like ma major fires in LA or all, all over California right now. And my younger brother, he works in, in uh, biomedical engineering. That's, that's what a mouthful. Mm. <laughs> he, uh, he, he works as a product development for a, a bio, biomedical engineering company. You know, I, I'm not sure exactly what this new company does. But he used to do. He used to work for Medtronics. If you've heard of it. Oh, it sounds somewhat familiar, but they're uh, the biggest in the world. They they started. I think they started with pacemakers. Oh. I think he invi invented this pacemaker. Oh wow. The um, the uh, 
founder of Medtronics, but he doesn't work for them anymore. But I just wanted to give you an example of what he does. Yeah. But was there a lot of pressure on you as the middle child? Or were you just kind of left alone to your own devices? Yeah, we were, we were typical 80s kids. Me and my older brother, we were typical 80s kids, latchkey kids. Ah, you know, yes. So we kind of raised ourselves, you know, the, the uh, Lord of the Flies, you know, I don't, I'm not is that still a, is that still a oh, it's literary, still literary, uh, I think it's still required reading for like it? high school students. Yeah. Okay. At least as I was going through high school, <laughs> um, I, I'm a nineties kid my, myself. We have a, a slight age difference, not a okay. huge gap. Um, but I too was a latchkey kid. So, uh -huh. so I understand, but, um, my older brother is six years older than me. So he was gone and mm -hmm. I was, I was the youngest in the bunch. So I had to get into hijinks all by myself. Um, <laughs> I wish I had a hobby like surfing. That's that's one of those those good um, individual activities. Oh, in the eighties, the surf crowd was a. It was huge. A get, get into a get into a lot of trouble. Oh, uh, I've seen Point Break. I know what's <laughs> up. Was that movie accurate to the the surf scene in California in the eighties? It's a little extreme, I think. <laughs> <laughs> Don't get me started on Point Break. <laughs> we're gonna we're going to go off on a tangent here. What is wrong with Point Break? <laughs> Um, I mean, it's kind of like, did, did you ever see the movie uh, North Shore? No, okay. no, I didn't. That, that's a cult classic from the 80s. It's like you go from not knowing how to surf to surfing, you know. It's a bit far-fetched. I'll give you that. <laughs> and then you, you watch it and you, you, see the, you watch the movie and you'll see this little tiny bump coming in. And all of a sudden... He's he's writing giants. He's he's like Mavericks writing giants. And then he goes from this is only the only surfers will pick this up. He's going from surfing, you know, regular foot to goofy foot. You know, that's which foot is in, yeah. in front. Yeah, so. I didn't pick up on that. I <laughs> still only. that movie is is it's one of my favorites because it's so bad. It's it's in my my favorite movie category like Roadhouse with, with Patrick Swayze. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's another one. Patrick Swayze seems to make some really great bad movies, even like Dirty Dancing. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was a terrible movie, but it was it was good because it was so cheesy and terrible. Um, did you see the new Point Break? No. Is, is there a new? Oh my! I, I, I live under a rock. I have, oh, to, I have three kids, so <laughs> you're not missing out. They they remade Point Break, and it's like vaguely familiar to the original, and. It is terrible, but it's got an amazing squirrel suit scene where they're like flying around with these squirrel suits on. Um, it's it's pretty cool, but other than that, it's just a, a terrible, terrible movie. I saw you it know, in theaters twice. <laughs> Going back to Point Break, I just want to put on the record that I, I liked the movie. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't that I didn't like the movie, it's just that as far as surfing is concerned, it's... Uh... It's I, not something that you want to take elements of it and say, wow, you know what? I know about surfing because I saw Point Break. <laughs> that explains why all the guys at Hokipa were, were looking at me so weird when I was like, man, Point Break's like my favorite movie. Tell me about this. Um, don't worry. We don't have a ton of hardcore fans of Point Break that listen to this show. So <laughs> you're not going to get any, any feedback that's too bad. Um, man, I keep on saying um and ah, uh, and I got feed. I, I, I got... Uh, my friend Lynette told me that I need to stop doing you got, that. You, is that your friend from Toastmasters International? Or, is, that, is that still around? I have no idea. I think Toastmasters is still around. Okay. 
Uh, all right, so you grew up in California. You were a surfer kid. Uh, what did you want to be when you grew up? When I... <laughs> Uh, depends on what point in my life. When I was a kid, when I was a little kid, I wanted to be an astronaut. But, you know, I have really bad eyes, or I had really bad eyes. I've since had laser eye surgery in my 30s when I was about your age. But, you know, going into college, I was undeclared. And I just was looking for what to do. But my, my you know how your parents kind of, they almost know you better than you know yourself. And my dad was like, you know what, you're going to be an engineer. And and if you ask my wife today, she's like, yeah, you're all engineering. There's like, there's nothing. Everything's analytical. Everything is you know, spreadsheets and lists. So I, I, I think my dad had a, a better understanding of my personality than I did. So does that play into your personal life too, the spreadsheets and lists? And oh, absolutely. You should see my, my uh, you should see my, my Christmas, I'm, I'm being proactive, so I started my Christmas shopping already. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, the Christmas lists go into spreadsheets, you know, everything. I, uh, I'm helping my, fa fa my father-in-law build a new house. And, of course, you know, what, what self-respecting engineer wouldn't go and hardwire the thing for internet? Of course. So I'm spreadsheets for all the uh, the end of the endpoints, the the connection points. So, yeah, who who doesn't use spreadsheets on a? I was gonna say on a daily basis, but I, I meant more like an hourly basis. <laughs> My gosh, I spreadsheets are useful, but I'm gonna admit I I. <laughs> I feel bad admitting this because my boss might be listening. But you know how they ask you if you know Excel? Mm -hmm. I always lie. I, I don't know <laughs> anything about Excel. I just assume that anything I'm going to need to know how to do on Excel, I'll be able to like YouTube it and, and find out. Are you like an Excel master? I'm not. I'm not. I, I would say, uh, I would say uh, I'm the average engineer. So I'm you're like an Excel master compared to a liberal arts major like myself. Well, if you put it that way, I, I would think mm. I would think you're, uh, yeah, uh, you hit the nail on the head. <laughs> <laughs> no, like, but in in my office, I deal with mostly with engineers, and everybody is very proficient at Excel. As a as a young Albert, you go to college. You're undeclared. It was it was your parents' guidance that that drove you to to go into engineering. Like like every typical teenage kid. I fought my parents' guidance. <laughs> you know, I, I went undeclared. I I took all the appreciation of classes. I don't know. What, I don't know what what undergrad did you go to? I went to the Citadel. That's um, that military. Yeah, in Virginia. Uh, it, no, no, that's VMI. That's a much oh, worse no, no. school. Yeah, the Citadel is in Charleston, South Carolina. Okay, uh, didn't they make a movie about that? Yeah, Lords of Discipline. Uh, okay. Pat Conroy, the the very famous author. Uh, he attended the Citadel, and he wrote a book called Lords of Discipline. Lords of Discipline, they turned into a movie. Mm -hmm. uh, he wrote a bunch of other books. Um, what else? There was another famous book called Sword Drill that was mm -hmm. uh, about the Citadel. And yeah, there, there have been a, f a few works. It, it's, if anybody reads those books, they're going to think that I 
I'm maybe ultra one military. Of, yeah, like ultra military <laughs> or one of the the sadistic people depicted in some of those books. I'm not. It was it was a much different experience for me not being from the South. Um, but but yeah, we got sidetracked. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyways, when under undeclared, we had at our school we had. Um, appreciation i actually took a class called appreciation of math <laughs> i took appreciation of music appreciation of dance appreciation of uh, i took greek mythology i took all i mean if they if people joke about basket weaving if they had basket <laughs> weaving at my my college i would have taken it uh i was doing everything but going to engineering and then but i think that was just my natural calling you know and I think just because my dad said you're an engineer, I, I I had to fight it. But eventually, you know, your calling in life is your calling in life. Yeah, if if it hadn't been engineering, since you got this diverse Renaissance esque background, I mean, it, it sounds like you were educating yourself to be a Renaissance man. A wide variety of things that that you could learn to appreciate. What were were some of the other channels of study that really appealed to you? I think maybe ocean engineering because I, I like the surf. Yeah. So, uh, or oceanography or ocean engineering. How, how did you, what was your work experience like after you got out of college and you, you knew you were going to be an engineer? <clears throat> I, uh, went to, I went to work for this company called Temcor, and, who I'm actually working with now, uh, doing our second million gallon recycled water storage tank in Kihei. They uh, they did uh, they did space frame um, aluminum structures. If if anybody's heard of Buckminster Fuller, I think even people in my my generation don't know who Buckminster Fuller is. But um, there was this old inventor. I don't know what what era is like maybe the twenties, thirties. Uh, he they call him the grandfather of the geodesic dome. Oh, and so what you'll hear. Or the carbon sixty molecule. <laughs> Let me get a little, little nerdy on you. Get it, do it, man. <laughs> the carbon sixty molecule, the geometric shape that it, it just happens to fall in. It's it, it's a ball. It's a six. I think it's sixty carbon molecules that come together. They they form. They, the geometric pattern is is what we know as the geometric geodesic dome shape mm. that you know today. The uh, what's what's a geodesic dome? You know those like playground the structures. Epcot Center or the, the Epcot Center that was actually made by Temcor. All right, the, uh, Buckminster Fuller's old company. So it was. It's just a. He developed this geo, uh, geometric pattern to approximate the surface of a sphere sphere using using lines. Yeah, and so we take that. We put a, put a bunch of I beams together in that configuration, and then slap a bunch of aluminum skin on it, and you have a geodesic dome. Uh, for people in Hawaii, that the I think the most iconic figure, uh, iconic structure that we worked on was the the um, the Stan Sheriff dome. Oh, so we, we the Temcor, the company I used to work for, built the Stan Sheriff dome. Is is that um, what what brought you to Hawaii? Was that your your no? Oh, okay. No, that that's just that was just working. In as a junior engineer in, in some slave pit in, you know, in the basement. <laughs> Cutting your teeth. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, 
So that, that's that's what I did after college. I mean, do you want me to go through? Yeah, yeah, go through. We we want to learn about you. I want to learn about your your credentials. Introduce the the Ram Gad Pod universe to Albert <laughs> Hahn. So after that, I I went to go visit my my college roommate on the Big Island, and we we went surfing. We went out for a vacation. We went surfing, and I'm like, you know, I could I could I could really live like this. And I thought my engineering background could be, I could use it anywhere. You know, if, even if I went to a third world country, I think I could use my engineering background to, to gain some kind of employment. So I moved to the Big Island in the 90s. And, and there I, I started working for in sugar, actually. Sugarcane engineering. This is... It's it's all dead now. Now the H HCNS was the last man standing, yeah. Yeah. And so I got to I, I just engineers on the neighbor islands. Uh, let me say in Kona at least they're they're few and far between. You know I think most of the engineers in Hawaii are live in Honolulu. Yeah, I imagine so. Yeah. So I was on the Big Island, and this one guy who moved from Honolulu, who was, and sugarcane was dying. And hardly any, you know, it was a, it's a dying art form. So he was looking for a young engineer to help him do designs. And he uh, brought me under his wing and I, wa I worked for him for a couple of years. And and some of our work was to, uh, I, most of our work here in Hawaii was to shut sugarcane down, increase production at one facility and shut down fa the production at the other facility and to transport the cane from one f uh, like further field to the one unified production location. So while you were doing that job, was it open knowledge that you were basically making yourself obsolete, that, that the industry was closing down, or did, did that factor in? Did you guys realize that that's what you were doing, that you were working to shut down the, the industry that, that you were currently being paid by? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's, there was, <laughs> un, unlike what we're, we're going to talk about, there was no politics in it. It was just, ex excuse me, there's no politics. There's no, there, it was me and this old time engineer. You know, it, he, he just told me exactly how it was. You know, we're shutting down all these facilities and he's the one, who, I could have worked for him for longer, but he's the one who actually pushed me off and said, hey, maybe you should go work for one of these consulting companies that, that actually do work that's applicable for the future of Hawaii. Yeah. And, and so... So he pushed me off out of sugarcane engineering. I mean, if I, yeah, I mean, he, the writing was on the wall, right? Yeah. If you had gotten pigeonholed, you would have been stuck in a dying industry, you think? Yeah. Stuck. I mean, I guess some, some of the skill set would be transferable, but there would have been uh, some learning curve. And I was still in my 20s at the time, so I think that was the best time to shove off and, and do something else. So he... He encouraged me. He helped me get my license to practice engineering. You know, I, owe, I owe a lot to him. He told me about politics in Hawaii. <laughs> yeah. I, there's a lot to learn about politics in Hawaii. It's a bit yeah. different than, than other places in a lot of ways. You leave sugarcane engineering. Uh, what's next for you? I, I went to go work in Hilo. At, uh, it was called Hirai and Associates at the time. It was an engineering, uh, engineering consulting firm. Um, and they had, they had an office in Hilo and Honolulu. And when a position came open in Honolulu, I, I took the transfer to Honolulu 
so after that I, I lived in Honolulu for the next 12 13 years you know with all that with, with the lion's share of all the engineers in, in the state and you know dug dug into that that community but my I I um, I married a girl from Maui, like like you. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I married. I met a girl from Maui over there in Honolulu, and we actually she liked Honolulu, so we actually lived there for twelve, thirteen years. But then, as soon as we ha started having children, um, mm. you know, we wa we both wanted the kids to grow up with uh, with grandparents. Yeah. And and then so, you know, it was either L.A. Where, you know LA area Santa Monica where I grew up or here and we just thought that this was much more family it was much of a, a family rich environment over here rather than LA I don't know if that's that's much of a conducive lifestyle for a child there's a lot more dangers and oh absolutely <laughs> I mean you you have the the natural dangers that we're seeing now the fire but mm -hmm. but wildfires weren't as big of an issue at that point. No, I don't uh, remember them yeah. being that, that bad that, it's, back it's, in the 80s. It's relatively new that every year California is, is on fire now. Like yeah. The last five years have been insane. Yeah. Um, but, but even still, yeah, Maui is just, just an exceptional place compared to a lot of urban areas um, because of the access to nature and, and even the vibe is so much slower than so many places on the mainland. Or even Honolulu. Yes. I mean, you know, when we, when we were first moving over here, my, you know, the thought was going through my head, what the heck are we doing moving to Maui? And then you get here and it's the quality of life is much better. Yes. I mean, you don't have Best Buy. <laughs> you don't have some of the, the larger stores. Uh, but you have the quality of life is better. I get to spend so much time, more time with my kids. I mean, if you want that fast-paced lifestyle, if you're young and in your 20s, I can see, you know, living in New York City or even Honolulu. Yeah. And and that's that's where I when I lived in Honolulu. You know, in my 20s, into my mid 30s. And so, we came back to Maui, or my wife came back to Maui, and I came to Maui, and. And I took a job with the county. Uh, and that was around 2011, is that right? 2012? Let's see. 2000, uh, 2011. Yeah, actually, tomorrow will be my eighth anniversary with the county. Congratulations! <laughs> that's that's an event. Are you gonna are you gonna celebrate? Does the county do anything to celebrate when you guys hit anniversaries? Uh, no, they do ten years. Ten uh, years is when they first start. I think you get like a paperclip or something. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds about right. But. So when you got started with with the county of Maui, what were you in wastewater reclamation? Has has this been your field of expertise for the past eight years? That's correct. Uh, so I, I worked for six years. I worked in uh, project management for what we call CIP, Capital Improvement Projects, uh, which is construction management uh, for for outside contractors. We're 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 the ones tearing up the roads. Capital improvement. We're the ones tearing up the roads and uh, making people's lives inc inconvenient. Yeah. 
people people are upset at you guys when you're not working on capital improvement <laughs> projects and then the moment you you start breaking ground on a capital improvement project they're upset at you for a whole different reason is that about <laughs> right well I, I can't i can't say that that we're completely innocent <laughs> <laughs> you know i i seen so many times where and i'm not talking about i'm talking about the county at large mm. will uh will pave a road and then the next month we'll rip it up to replace a a water line or a sewer line mm. you know so as as a taxpayer myself it infuriates me i just i and as an engineer i can't stand the uh, inefficiency of spending uncount untold amounts of money to repave and then to rip it up the next month what sort of processes or structures could be put in place to stop that sort of action that, that sort of wastefulness? You know, I, I don't think that the county or government in, in general is is unique to that situation. I think once you get any, any like, very, very large companies, you know, the right hand does, has a hard, difficult time knowing what the left hand is doing. Mm. Uh, I, I'd like to say that some of us engineers, I think the ones that are better at communication, we, we try to collaborate with each other. So when, um, let, me, let me take a step back. When I say right and left hand, there's water, wastewater, public works, you know, mm. that, that, have, that are the primary agencies to do with the roads. If, if, the, if wastewater doesn't communicate with the other two agencies, we'll start tearing up roads with, you know, very myopically, only looking at what we're doing and replace the sewer line. However, if we if we take a step outside, if we take a step back and try to look at the the thing whole, you know, as as a big picture, then we start communicating. Hey, are you doing any water work in this? You are are you replacing any water lines? So I, I'm proud to say that that some of us have coordinated. We haven't re, like this one corridor. We replaced water lines, multiple sewer lines, and storm drain. And, and then just re repaved it at the end. Mm. Uh, so I, I, I'm, proud of, I'm proud of that. But let me say that engineers aren't known. You know, when, when you're a young child, they, they go, you know what? You're such a great communicator. You should become an engineer. <laughs> <laughs> They're probably like, you're such a great communicator. You should, you should become a lawyer. Yeah. <laughs> That's that's exact. That's what I heard as a kid because I I stunk at at math and sciences, but boy oh boy did I just know how to talk. I, I just never shut up. So yeah, they they told me be a be a lawyer. But you became an engineer. Um, that that siloing is that improving the with the the levels of communication you're proud that that you've been able to to increase communication but do you think throughout the county that still remains a major issue or is there more communication and more of a um a holistic view of projects i think there's an attempts at attempts. it uh, it's it's hit and miss you know it's and i I want to back. It's not. It's not only me. It's. Yeah. Uh, it's. There's. There's a. There's a lot of good. As bad of a rap as the county employees get, there's a lot of good county employees, you know. And. And it, it's it's, 
you know, for the engineers, there's good ones and bad ones. And, you know, it's, there's a lot of good ones that are, that, that try to save the taxpayer money by coordinating. Mm. And so me being in capital improvement or not, I, I still see that coordination. You know, I, I still have like one toe in, toe in it. And I see the same good engineers doing that uh, coordination to try to save the, the general public money. Yeah. Yeah. I think you brought up a valuable point with as bad a rap as some of the county employees get, which the the point I want to make is is this on the national level, a lot of people criticize the deep state. That's one of those terms. Mm -hmm. um, on the county level, we have the deep county. It's, it's those employees that have been with the county for decades in some instances, but, but really for a long time, they're the non-elected, non-appointed officials. And though a lot of people like to, to point fingers at the county and say, you guys are, are messing up here and there, um, there are a ton of non-elected, non-appointed officials who come to work regardless of what drama is playing out in the newspapers or, or in the council chambers or in the mayor's office and, and do a great job. And I, I just want to make clear that, that neither you or I are criticizing those folks right now because, um, well, you're one of them. You're, yeah. you're one of those deep county folks who have been doing a, a good job for a while. Now, you and I, um, over the last few months, have, have sort of overlapped in our, our spheres of communication. And, and even uh, we were on the, the KAOI radio show not too long ago. And the, the reason is because of this injection well issue. Um, would, I guess, where, where do we start with the, the issue? Um, really, I, I want to know how the recycled water program works. If you can go into a little bit of detail there and how injection wells somehow play into recycled water. Well, the, the litigation that we're going through the we we inject our r1 water into the ground now let's i'm, I'm going to cut you off a couple of times here because i, I want to try and break it down for for folks r1 water what do you mean when you say r1 water our r1 water is the highest quality water um, that you can generate out of a wastewater reclamation facility uh, for recycled use so for context how many levels of, of quality are there? There's, there's, in general, there's four levels of quality. There's R3, which would be fairly dirty. Uh, there's R2 that, uh, there's some, it's, it's a little bit cleaner. R1 is the cleanest recyclable water. So we're talking about use, you know, for primarily irrigation. Yeah. And then there's higher quality than that. Not that we're, I mean, I know that the upper management has poked around in its in in using this, but it's uh, drinking water. You mm. can actually recycle. You can actually process wastewater back into drinking water. I know people get a little squeamish when they hear that, but the reality is that what does Mother Nature do? Mother Nature, you know, you know the water that we're drinking now, the water that we're bathing now, in now is the same water that's been here since the, the beginning of time. Mm. It's just gone through the Mother Nature cycle. Uh, let, let me, um, if you don't mind me. Yeah, go for it. So what we do in wastewater, 
I'm gonna I'm gonna let your 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 listeners in on on um, on the magic that we do. Okay, there is no magic. <laughs> we take what whatever you believe, you know, God given the Mother Nature's, you know, Mother Earth. We take whatever Mother Nature gave us, and we just utilize those fundamentals to process the water. So, you know, when I, I do um, recycle water tours uh, for a lot, of, a lot of schools, for example, and, and I tell them, you know, it's just like, it's just like your aquarium. It's just like, it's just like, uh, what is that movie? Uh, what is that Maui movie, the, the Disney movie? Oh, Moana. Moana. Fish, you know, when, when Moana's mad at the, the ocean, she says, fish pee in you all day long. <laughs> well, that's what we do too. We, we pee on the ground. We, it goes into, we pee in the, uh, the river. You know, it, it goes back into nature. And nature, Mother Nature does its business. Yeah. That's all we do. We, we take, so, strangely enough, an organism called bacteria feeds on our dead skin cells, our, we flush a, uh, our dead fish down the toilet. Bacteria is the creature that feeds on all that. Our doo-doo, you know, PP, um, it all breaks, it all's broken down by bacteria. And that's all we do. So what does bacteria, what does any living creature need to live? It needs air, food, and water. Water is the vehicle of transportation for our wastewater. You know, that's why we, we use, the, water is the vehicle. Yeah. So, but it also serves as, as a water source for, for the bacteria. Um, we have food source. So they eat the dead skin cells, the doo, the shishi, etc. And then they need oxygen. And so if you go to our wastewater treatment plants, it's just like a bunch of, you know, air, the air stones in your, in your aquarium. We just have a bunch of air stones in it pumping air into the recycle, into the um, wastewater and it breaks everything down mm. and so from there we break it down and by the time you come out of our clarifier which is about halfway through our 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 process the thing just looks like river water i mean it's it's cl it's clear because it's clarified by the process um and then we we filter it and then we disinfect it this 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 water is I mean, and then we, we inject it back into the ground. I mean, we, we reuse as much as we can, mm. and then we inject the rest back in the ground because who can water when it's, when it's, uh, when it's raining, for example. Yeah. But the, the other part of the, what Mother Nature does is all our typical wastewater would go into the ground or into, directly into the ocean. Right? That's, just, that's just how we've, we've lived for... You know, since the beginning of time, you know, you dig a hole, you go shishi in it, or you go into the bathroom. I mean, who ha who hasn't peed in the ocean? Yeah, you go to the I beach. Mean, come on. Come on. <laughs> so, you know, this this notion that that we're doing something. I don't know. I I think that the manner that we dispose of whatever unused recycled water that we have into the ground lets Mother Nature further filter and use the, the whatever is left in that water in the subterranean, uh, in whatever under-earth process that happens before it hits the ocean. And that, that can be, 
So what, what here's here's an interesting fun a fun fact I think that is isn't that what you uh, young people say fun facts? We love fun facts. <laughs> so if we we measure the the nitrogen and phosphorus that's in our water before we before we uh, inject it into the ground. The phosphorus that we inject into the, the amount in our effluent or our R1 water before it goes into the ground is lower than what comes out in the seepage in the ocean. I, I I'm not completely sure about this, but I think I'm pretty sure it's lower than what you would find in surface water. Mm. When I say surface water, I mean like the natural streams in, in in Maui. Yeah. You know, because animals do their business in the water, and you you don't know what kind of runoff is going into that water. Depending on where it is, it could have all kinds of former agricultural, you know, um, fertilizer runoff into that water. Right. So. Uh, I think it's interesting to say that we're, that our nutrients are creating algae bloom or bleaching or whatever they, whatever they want to say. And, and that's why the phosphorus is, is an important factor to, to look at, right? Because you can't have algal bloom without the phosphorus and the nitrogen, correct? To my knowledge, yeah, I'm not I'm not a marine biologist. Who... Neither am I. But but the um, yeah, from from the marine biologists that, that we have heard from, mm-hmm. that, that's what they they say that the phosphorus is a is a key element sure. with the nitrogen in creating the algal bloom, um, and and it is worth noting. So a lot of the the folks who went up to testify in favor of settling the injection well case and the Ninth Circuit's ruling standing, uh, they kept on saying, you know partially treated wastewater, barely treated wastewater, <laughs> things like that. Yeah. That, is, that is an inaccurate representation of, of the level of treatment that it gets. And, and you bring up a very valuable point, which is the, the surface water and the runoff might actually be one of the, the big sources of phosphorus that, that's causing the algal bloom uh, off the coast. Uh, absolutely. I think, I think people need, really need... To, to get off the emotion and do the hard work of doing your due diligence. Mm. You, before you make a claim like that, I think you got to go and look at, and I'm not talking about the studies that we've done. I'm talking about looking, going to Department of Aquatic Re- Resources, their studies, you know, the airport beach, Kaikili Beach. Mm. That's one of the cleanest beaches on this island. And that's the one that they're all fighting for. And... But if you look at other beaches that have nothing, that where our our wastewater treatment is nowhere near, they are much dirtier. There, I mean, as far as like phosphorus and nitrogen, and also, um, you know, solids and uh, suspended solids in the water. Turbidity is what we call it. Mm. So, you know, it, them pointing like just because A happened before B doesn't mean A caused B. Yeah. Right. But that, that's that's their logic. Which is not a very, I mean, if you talk to any scientist, it's not a very, you know, you're not going to, you're not going to get very far in the scientific community with that kind of logic. Yeah, causation and correlation are (laughs) the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I think it's also important, I'm going to ask the hard-hitting question. Do you hate the ocean? Do you hate our our coral reefs? You know, as a surfer and and a diver, it, it infuriates me. When people like I, several people have said, this is our we're fighting for our right to pollute. <sighs> I, I <laughs> you know, can, let me let me take a slight turn. 
if you look at what everybody wants, what I, I'm, what I, what I want, what my boss wants, and then you go to um, Earth Justice or Sierra Club, if you look or Surfrider Foundation, when you look at what they want, it's almost identical. Mm. You would think that if we wanted the same thing or very similar like I, when we were on that radio show and i was saying that we both like if we're mom and their dad or their dad and we're mom vice versa i don't want to make anybody hate me for calling mom or dad but um if if we both wanted a new car for different reasons why are, why would we why would we argue that that's the basis of a horrible marriage yeah <laughs> you know they 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 want if you ask them what they want, they want more recycled water. If you ask us what we want, we want more recycled water. I mean, how much did the county uh, put towards recycled water, expanding the recycled water program this year? I think it was somewhere like $20 million, something high like that. You know, just, just, the, um, just our recycled water tank project is over... It's, it's well over seven million dollars, mm. and we're not done yet. I mean, we're 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 expanding. This isn't that's in Kihei, and then we're expanding in Lahaina uh, for the next fiscal year. They gave us another seven million, and then another thirteen. I think it's twenty million. Yeah. And in addition to that seven and a half that I seven plus that I mentioned. So we're talking in the next couple years. I mean, we'll have twenty-five million, twenty-four million dollars into the recycle water expansion. I, that's that's what gets me. So you you ask the settlement, you ask Earth Justice, what do you want? Well, we want you to do X, Y, and Z. And one of the things is we want you to spend two and a half million dollars towards recycle water. I I have to, to laugh because. That's that's automatic. Yeah, Every pittance. year we spend way more than that in recycled water for them to even. And this is a one-time thing. Their their offer to settle with us is two point five million dollars. Period. That's it. We do that every year automatically. I mean, if you should see, it, we didn't get to where we are by not putting money into this program. Um, so I, you know, if if I were them, if I wanted to make a statement, I'd say put. Thirty million dollars into the recycle water program, but they didn't. Yeah, you know they they threw out the stuff that we do automatically, and I'm not sure. You know, I, I'm not in their in their heads, but is that because they knew that they were going to lose at the Supreme Court? Hmm. Um. I, I I'm just I'm just yeah. You can't theorizing. You can't like, speculate too much. But I'm I'm. They curious. might as well just set a dollar. Yeah. Here, spend a dollar towards recycle water. Yeah, because it's a pittance compared to, to the actual investment, upwards of $25 million. What they're requesting is just you know 2.1 or 2.5. Uh, it was 2.5, which is 10%. Yeah. We're, we're spending 90% more without, and we're still fighting the Supreme Court. So mm-hmm. yeah, that's why I give a lot of credit to my predecessors. They had the foresight, without Earth Justice being on their back, they had the foresight to start this program without, if you look at the program, it's a loser. Like if you were a businessman, you would never start this program. It is cheaper to just pump water up from the ground, to filter it, and to 
uh, disinfect it and to supply it for drinking water or really? supply it for for um, for irrigation water. Like for example, in I live in Wailuku. There's no R1 lines in central in in Wailuku, right? It's ch it's cheaper for them to do that than for us to to make our water and and supply it. Um, but it's a water is a vital resource. Why are we flushing it down the toilet? Our my my predecessors had, and I'm, I'm A.C. Miller was the the father of this system. He was our chief in the in the uh, in the 90s. He was still around today. <laughs> he um, he had the foresight to say, you know what, this is a valuable resource. Just because just because it's treated wastewater, we shouldn't just flush it away. We should we should recycle it. So, for example, in Kihei, I don't know if people know, but Kihei, see right up here, up the street from us? That's where the water comes from Kihei and McKenna. Mm. They pump it from Iao. So, we take our wastewater, we recycle it, we, we process it and then re recycle it in the Kihei area. That's every gallon that doesn't need to be pumped out of Iao and sent down to Kihei. So, it just makes sense when you look at it from the big picture. Yeah. But not I'm, I'm sorry my point was that we didn't need earth justice to tell us this yeah I'm, i want to play devil's advocate a bit you let's say um the case is is almost certainly going to to go to oral arguments before the supreme court mm -hmm. um in my guesstimation they're probably going to rule on it and provide a, an opinion um let's say the court sides with the county are you guys going to stop expanding the water reuse program the the water recycling program? No, absolutely not. This it's, you're lying, aren't you? <laughs> you all and th that's one thing that Earth Justice said in their testimony. They don't trust us to you know the evil government. Look, you know we're what do what do I have to generate? What do I have to to get out of lying and cheating and stealing? I'm not. I'm not. I, I hope this isn't too politically charged, but I'm not, I ain't no vice president of Halliburton. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't get some defense spending contract. You know what? At the end of the day, I don't, I don't, money is not my objective. Like I get paid by the county and that's fine with me. You know, I, I, I would rather spend my day with my kids than go retire from the county and go to Halliburton or whatever, you know, what, what's a, What's an anti-environmental, you know, some fracking company? Oh, I'm not, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, my plans are not to go to some fracking company after my stint with the county. Um, there, I have no ulterior motive. My, I, I, honestly, I consider myself a public servant. These are my family. This is my family and my friends that I serve. So how can I do a bad job? How can I, do, how can I not do what I believe is right? And we, like I said, I was telling you these things that I feel like were instilled in me from my predecessors. These are the things that only make sense to, for us to be good stewards of the earth we were blessed with. Right? Mm. We're, we're stewards of this thing. We, we're, it's almost like this, this, the land that you live on, it, you, it's only yours temporarily. Because yeah. you know what? Pretty soon we're going to be in the, in the land and, and bacteria is going to be attacking our flesh and bones, right? Yeah. I mean, part of why I wanted to have you on, uh, I, 
Mayor Victorino gets a, he's getting attacked for this, but quite frankly, he's an elected official. He signed up for that. Um, I wanted to have you on uh, sort of to be a proxy for all the folks who work for the county who have been getting attacked, been called you know, all sorts of terrible names, having allegations thrown at you that you hate the environment. And I really, I don't think that that is nearly a fair enough assessment of the situation because you are not approaching it from the emotional standpoint of, oh, we're killing the reefs. You're, you're taking actual actions uh, to stop us having to, to put this commodity, water, back into the ocean where you're taking actions to help us. Your family's here. You have multiple generations of your family here on Maui. And I, I'm just so frustrated that, that folks who, who have an opinion that diverges from the, the, the Earth Justice, Sierra Club, moral high ground opinion, that, that they're just being vilified, not based on facts, not based on arguments or rationale, but purely uh, as a tactic of division and pressure to, to get our elected officials to, to basically kowtow to, to bullying tactics. You know, otherwise, they're going to, to get fingers pointed at them. Have you had issues within your, your department um, because this is such a public issue and it's, it's such a divisive issue? Ha, have people in your department um, disagreed with you or, or the mayor on this? Has, has there been a lot of arguing or, or does everybody kind of understand where we're at and, and is on the same page? I, I would, you know, in my experience with the wastewater, we're unified. It's, you know, we, we, we work in here every day and we, I would, we're the experts. They're the lay people. Yeah. You know, uh, they're, they're kind of like the, they're, I, I, I tell this to other people, the others, I don't want to call them the other side because I think that at the end of the day, we have more common, more in common than we don't. But for a lack of a better term, the other side, mm. they're like the anti-vaxxers, <laughs> the anti-vax movement. They're like, oh, well, it can't be good. You know, um, there's aluminum not, in these shots. Yeah, That's yeah. There's, there's, it. you know, it causes, it, it, what is, uh, it causes autism, right? That, that was a big thing. Yeah, that's the big, big thing. Yeah, and then, and then one of the one of the Hollywood stars that was like in the in leading the anti-vax movement, it turns out her kid doesn't even have autism. Mm. So it's like, wow, but it's a good story. So you have sensationalists like, I, I don't know if you know, I should m mention any publications, but. They had this article called Poop, There It Is. And it was a piece of poop floating in the ocean. And it's like, you know, people have a hard time thinking that the wastewater, first of all, that we could clean it up so well. Yeah. Second of all, that it eventually, you know, just like all things Makotumakai go to the ocean, eventually it's going to get into the ocean. And that's the other thing. Um, they can't grasp that, you know, in, you know, emotionally, they're like, oh, well, that's poop water coming out of the ocean. Well, if you've been, to, I'm not, I'm not going to, I'm going to let you guys uh, <laughs> explore, but a lot of our county parks and schools 
state schools are irrigated with recycled water. I mean, to say that it's not safe for the ocean because they, you know, they, they claim it has staph and mm. they claim it, ha it causes uh, tumors and turtles. It's not, it, if it's not clean enough for our ocean, then you want to really use it in parks and yeah. schools? I mean, it's, <laughs> I always, it's kind of funny to me. It's not, it's, not, it's not safe enough for the reef and the fish, but it's safe enough for our children. <laughs> that, that argument has been bothering me too, because also runoff. So if, if we expand the, the recycled water program and we're, you know, Baldwin Beach Park is mm -hmm. a great example. If we're recycling the water on Baldwin, you know, right by Baldwin Beach Park, and then we get one of these instances where there's a high surf and it's, it's splashing water here and there's runoff going into the ocean, that's a faster delivery mechanism for that, that recycled water to go into the ocean than if it was injected into the bedrock, made its way through the bedrock into the, the groundwater, and then went out and diffused into the ocean. Because from the, those tracer dye studies, um, do you recall about how long it took for the water, the, the tracer dye, to be detected from the time it was injected to the time it was out in the ocean? So um, it, was, it, was a period, it was a window of time. And I'm just going to guess here. It was, it was somewhere in the, the vicinity of 90 to 120 days yeah, initially. I think it was like a couple of months initially. And then it kept on coming out for like four years. Yeah. Or, or I don't know if it's four, but several years. That just shows you how slowly it gets to the ocean and yeah. how much it mixes with the uh, groundwater. And, and, and that was the purpose. That was by design. Yeah. Now, we, we talked about if the county wins the Supreme Court case Nobody needs to be alarmed. We're not going to stop expanding the, the recycled water program. Let's look at the alternative. If we lose, if, if the county loses the case and it's determined that they need this, this permit, this NPDES permit, uh, what happens? What, what are the next steps? Uh, can, I, can I back up for a second? Yes, please. So w one point that I wanted to, to tell people is that, you know, they're, they're like, oh, we spent millions of dollars towards this. So let's pull it from the Supreme Court. We've already paid for that. That all those legal fees, like ninety-nine percent of those legal fees, have been paid for. So us pulling it from the Supreme Court is like we paid for a ticket to the to the World Series, and we didn't go. Yeah, because beers at the park are too expensive. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this is it's like nothing. It's like so we we paid for the ninety-nine percent of that thing. You know, we might as well cl get clarification. And there's there's other reasons why we should get clarification. But the, going back into your question, the um, what what what's going to happen? I'm I'm going to tell you that <clears throat> there's there's a couple things. You, you hear counsel, and it's I, I I understand how difficult it is. You're a layperson, and then now you're bombarded with a bunch of engineering terms and a bunch of legal terms that are. It's like, it's enough to make your head spin. Yeah. And, but if we, if we lose, which is fine. Yeah. I mean, I, you know what? One way or the other, you know, it upsets me of, of how this thing proceeded and how people treated each other. But at, at the end of the day, if we lose, in, in my mind, we'll just go outfall. We'll just be like Honolulu. Mm. 
and that's <laughs> Honolulu. I mean, their 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 reef is basically all dead. Yeah, and and there you don't see any Clean Water Act going after them. And look at us. Look how nice Maui is compared to Oahu, and and partially because just the population size, but nonetheless, they. If any wastewater person would see what they do, you know, they, they, they take primary, uh, primary treated effluent and then they just dump it into the ocean. It's not even R3 quality. Oh. Yeah, they, it, it's, I think they're, they just, I'm not sure if it's done yet, but they were just bringing up secondary treatment. We have, we have tertiary treatment in our plants. So to compare us to Honolulu and say we are the criminal offenders, it, it, it kind of baffles me. You know, people should walk a mile in our shoes, not, not because it's hard, but just so you could see what we do and then go and see what other people do. You know, just to, to say that we, we, you know, just because we inject this into the ground, it's killing the, the coral reef. What, what about, you know, I was just listening. N- NPR is a funny, pub, a funny uh, radio station, but I listen to them all the time. They... On one hand, they said, this is the warmest, the warmest year ever yeah. for, for the ocean. So we can expect chlor- coral bleaching yeah. this year. So is, what, what is the real cause? Is, is our injection wells the cause of the, the death of the, uh, coral? Or is it coral bleaching? Or is it global warming? Or is it, you know, there's so many. How do, how do they isolate it to us? Mm. You know, but... But you get all the, uh, you know, Surfighter Foundation, who I actually at one point was a member of Surfighter Foundation, which I'm not proud of anymore. Oh, I mean, <laughs> I've, I've donated to the Sierra Club um, numerous times. Yeah. I, I've, I've been one of those folks who's taken one of those Sierra Club uh, postcards with me uh-huh. as far as who they endorse mm-hmm. and, and, and just voted, that voted way. party line. Yeah. Because as, as somebody who... Um, was outside of the political world for the most part. Just, you know, I used to watch cable news and occasionally read the newspaper and, mm-hmm. and peruse online. Just average person. You, you don't have the, the time and the luxury to get deep into these issues yourself and to study every candidate. Or at least you give yourself that excuse that you don't have the time and the luxury to do that. Mm-hmm. And so you need to find organizations that you generally align yourself with and, and trust them that they did the homework. And I got to tell you, for the most part, it's a good pick. You know, you're, you're going to get somebody who, who generally will agree with you on your big issues. I, you know, that's why the realtors endorse people. This mm-hmm. way our members can look at, at who we endorse and say, okay, well, I'm going to trust that Jason's doing his homework. Now... I can't clearly uh, represent all 1,700 members we have when, when I'm figuring out who we should endorse and who we shouldn't. So, so you're not going to get people that, that agree with you 100% um, when you're voting on that, that postcard that you get from, from the Sierra Club. And I think it's, it's so valuable to reiterate what you said before, which is we're not on different sides. Their goal is to keep Maui healthy and environmentally friendly. Your goal is to keep Maui healthy and environmentally friendly. You just disagree on, on the, the details and the means, and part of it really comes down to the fact that they approached this from a legal perspective. 
And when, you, when you're using the law as a tool to get something you want, facts need to conform with your legal theory in a lot of ways. And your, your arguments don't necessarily focus on, on the scientific detail because the people who determine the outcome of lawsuits, the, the lawyers who are representing each side, um, they're experts in law. The judge, if it's a bench trial, is an expert in law. If, you know, the Supreme Court, they're experts in law. They're lay people. So that's one of my, my big pet peeves with our legal system, where it doesn't really take subject matter expertise at the value it should. Mm -hmm. Because in order to be recognized as an expert in court, it's actually pretty, pretty easy. It's a pretty low bar. Mm -hmm. uh, it's, it's really just some magic words that you have to say. Your knowledge and experience is this many years for this much. Now, I want to ask, with all of this controversy and this being such a, a public issue, did you have a lot of elected officials contacting your department and, and coming on your tour and learning about how the system actually works? The only, uh, the only officials that, uh, that contacted me were, should I even mention people's names? Or It was Yuki Lei and, and Tasha Kama. Mm. They, they were like, oh, we want to tour the plant. You know, everybody else is incommunicado. I mean, I, I actually went to go, on my own time, I went to go talk to a couple of the council people to try to, to, try to convince them of, of, our, of our case. When I say our, I mean wastewater. We're, we're the guys working, on, you know, we're the boots on the ground. And, yeah, they, they seem to be locked up in a, into a I'm right and you're wrong kind of mm. mentality, which I think more often than ha not happens politically. So th this, this whole thing has become a political three-ring circus, is my opinion. Yeah. Uh, you know, it's... If I, if I back up a second when you were saying that, that, that the specifics on how, to, you know, that everybody's, everybody wants to save the environment, everybody wants to, you know, you were saying both sides of this, this issue, we all want to save, save the um, environment, etc. And you said, but we, the, the means are different. Actually, the, the means are the same. If, if people look at what they want and what we want, the means are the same. Mm. The, the whole fight is over... Some, the bureaucratic process. The fight is over the legal battle. The fight is over what, what permit you have. It doesn't matter what's happening out there. You know, they say, oh, we want a, we want a, a NPDES permit versus a, a underground injection control permit. Um, they, they want more stringent, um, they want more stringent guidelines on the under, underground injection control permits. Uh, that we can all agree on. I mean, NPDS, we, that, that's something that I don't think they understand what they're talking about. Yeah. But those are, those are all bureaucratic, these are all bureaucratic issues. What, what, what do you care if, if, if Ronald McDonald himself was out there giving us a permit? As long as at the end we are protecting the environment, we're using water the way we, we, we should, what, who cares if Bozo the Clown is out there? Yeah. Like, why do, we, why do we care so much about the federal government? And, and you hear both sides. Oh, we want to be self-regulated. 
and then you hear this side, we want to be self-regulated. Well, you're ask you are the one who asked the federal government yeah. to come in and judge this thing. Uh, we're only coming in saying this this last judge added a couple words to the law. So we should clarify this because you know, us as engineers, we hang on every word. Mm. You know, every every word is our liability. You know, we're we're gonna come out in here and, and say this is legal. You know, in the seventies we did this injection well. We've been we've been we've been governed by the EPA and DOH since the beginning of time. Since the beginning of the injection wells. We've been submitting data on this thing to them for since the beginning of uh, beginning of the, uh, their birth, right, or the installation. Well, did did federal funding go into the injection wells? Yeah, federal yeah. fund federal funding created the injection wells. And so now, but now the argument is we're not the the county of Maui is not complying with federal law. That's right. So do you see the EPA jumping in on this lawsuit? Why why aren't they? You know. We, we've been under it. Honolulu is currently under it. It's called consent decree. Mm. The EPA comes in and says, you know what? You're not complying with the law, the, the, the environmental law. And so now we're going to hover over you. We're going we're gonna to watch your every step, your every movement. And if you take, if you take a step in the wrong direction, you, you, have to pr- you have to provide us with this 20-year plan or five-year plan or whatever it is to get out into compliance. Mm. That's what the EPA does. They don't say magic. You know, they're realistic. You know, we, you got to do so many construction projects to get you your back into compliance. You, you haven't heard anything since the 70s for them to go, hey, you know, your injection wells are out of compliance. You heard, I mean, everybody who was watching the um, council meetings heard the, the Department of Health say that we don't know how to apply this law to injection wells. You know, even everybody is like, well, well, it's theoretically it could be applied. You know what? Theoretically, yeah. Uh, theoretically, I could. You know, I don't, I don't know what a good example is. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's it's true. The law is, is really tricky because I, I always love when people ask me as an attorney, um, you know, can I sue somebody for this? You could you sue know. anybody for anything. sue anybody for anything, exactly. And that's kind of <laughs> how it goes with, with a lot of these legal things, especially with, um, you know, this case. Because a lot of the, one of the arguments that comes up is that the EPA had sent out that letter saying, you know, based on the Ninth Circuit's opinion, um, fairly common ubiquitous activities such as having a septic tank or a cesspool would now require a federal permit. Now, some people are saying, oh, it's an alarmist thing to, to say that. Well, it's, it's a potential thing. I don't know if it's alarmist. Maybe, maybe the EPA would never require that of a homeowner. But until we know, it is, it is a, a potential outcome that they've signaled to the state of Hawaii that, that this could happen. Um, it's, it's just upsetting uh, overall. Now, one thing you mentioned before, ocean outfall. If, if the, the Supreme Court rules on the case, um, they uphold the ruling of the Ninth Circuit, you said that, that we would likely have to go to an ocean outfall. What is an ocean outfall? It's just a pipe. 
that it would take our effluent to several miles offshore until until it reaches deep water, and and then it would just dump whatever effluent we we have. We wouldn't even need to put R one in there. We could probably just go with our we could probably go with less than R two and just dump it onto the ocean. That that would be have to be negotiated with under the NPDES permit. Yeah. Um, so when I remember listening to uh, one of the testifiers at, at the at the council meeting, they were they were saying uh, they were actually trying to to uh, disrespect one of the one of the children testifiers. There was a young young woman. She was, I think she was in. It's, it just happens. <laughs> this is it's just coincidence. One of my good friend's daughter. Mm. I didn't even know. I haven't seen her for so long. I. I um, anyways, so she. Um, she testified in support of us, uh, the, the you know, wastewater, saying that the, the definition of um, point discharge into a navigable waterway. This is how how. How lay people they, they don't they they said, well it it discharges into the ground, and then it eventually gets to the ocean and isn't the ocean a na- navigable water waterway, and it just shows that people they don't you know they're not engineers and I don't expect everybody to understand this but the point discharge is where. The stuff where whatever we're discharging comes out, mm. and it has to be direct. Indirect is through the ground, and so people people don't understand that. Okay, so now we're talking about point discharge. We're talking about put, drilling a, a a pipe in the ground and and just discharging it into the ocean, and and more or less do what Honolulu does. And yeah. there's a lot less regulation. I, I don't want to say there's a lot less regulation. There's they allow you. To have a higher amount of pollutant in that water. Mm. So, so in actuality, you would be able to put more pollutants directly into the ocean with an ocean outfall than you currently are using the injection wells. Absolutely. Awesome. That's <laughs> that's awesome. Now, I you mentioned before, and I, I want you to go into to a little bit of detail explaining. Why do we need the injection wells at all? We've got this this R1 water. It's treated. It's it's beautiful. We're ready to. We've got all this dry land on Maui. Um, we've got these fires. What are we doing with injection wells? So there's a couple things uh, for recycled water use. The for, for our recycled water use program, it takes years to develop a program. I mean, we we started in the 90s, and we're almost to 2020. So, you know, going onwards of close to 30 years, it's taken us this long to get to where we are now, which I'm very proud of. You know, we, we I mentioned in, in my testimony, and I think on the, the show, that we're light years beyond any, any other municipality in the state of Hawaii. Mm. You know, everybody looks at us, you know, Big Island, is has been calling us how did you start your recycled water program because they don't call honolulu you would think that everybody would call honolulu they're the big city they know how to do things no they call us maui they call maui you know the municipality with you know 150,000 people not the million person municipality we we're the ones that that took the lickings of, of putting this stuff in right 
there's all sorts of complication. We, you can't do it on, I mean, I don't want to say you can't, but the financial burden to do it all at one time is, would be astronomical. So we, you know, we're like, uh, you know, we're like the little engine that could. We just take it one train track at a time. Mm. You know, we put one track down. We, we expand it, expand to three more users. You know, we expand to four more users, a little bit at a time. And every year we've been doing this for thirty years. So, you know, during the summertime, uh, Kihei, you know, where we sh we pipe all that water to, Kihei, we during the summertime we do sixty percent. 60% is diverted to to uh, irrigation and whatever whatever uses you know it's more mostly irrigation that to me that's something to be proud of yeah that's, that's six, huge that's 60% of it that we didn't have to pump over here from Iao to to that side of the island but it took us close to 30 years to get to that point um, the mayor is very ambitious he wants to throw a lot more money at this so we can go a lot faster and i applaud him for that but if, if we lose this thing, and my knowledge of UIC versus NPDES permit, uh, because NPDES has never been applied to, I mean, I'm not sure. They're claiming that two places on the mainland have NPDES permit for underground discharge. Mm. I, I, have, I have not looked at the specifics I of that. I didn't look at that either. I have not looked at But if that was the case, wouldn't, Everybody have an NPDES permit? Why is it only two out of the thousands and thousands of injection wells that are out there? Why are only two? That I will, I won't, I, I haven't looked into myself, but um, if NP, if my knowledge of how NPDES is regulated versus UIC, if, if they, it's, it'll be easier for us to just spend our money for an injection well, I mean, for an outfall. Mm. And then my, my fear is that now, all the money that the mayor wanted to, to, to divert to my program. And sorry, it's it's a lot of our program, but I'm just gonna call it my program because I'm the coordinator for now. I don't mean to be egotistical. <laughs> um, but the money that he wanted to divert to our program, I feel like it's gonna be taken away. The, the, there's only so much money in our piggy bank, right? Yeah. So if we have to spend hundreds of millions towards an outfall, that money is gonna be taken away. Is that really the sort of price tag we're looking at for an outfall? Uh, it's it's several hundred million because we're we're not talking about we're talking about we're talking about the premise that injection wells are illegal without an, without an NPDES permit. So we have all of our uh, excuse me four out of our five um, four of our five uh, plants use injection wells. So when we're when we're talking about in, in, if if we know we're out of compliance, not from the EPA now, from this Ninth Circuit, if we know we're out of compliance and, and we're not going to fight it and EPA says we're out of compliance, then we have to move forward to, be, to come into compliance. Yeah. That, and that's for every injection what we have. That is a ton of infrastructure that needs to get built. For, for four of the five plants, you yeah. need to, to change it so that rather than dumping the excess recycled water into injection wells. They dump it into a pipe that's several miles long that goes off the coast. Yeah, and then just dump, dump a, a dirtier effluent out there. I mean, on, on the, at that point, it might be, operationally, it would be cheaper. Yeah. You know, long-term, you know, if you're looking at this from a business, businessman's standpoint, 
uh, viewpoint, they might be saying, you know what, it's worth a couple hundred million dollars. You know what, for the for the for the rest of our time here, for the our generations f forward, it's cheaper just to dump it in the ocean. Yeah. But and that's legal. A dirtier direct dump into the ocean is legal. But you heard, I mean, I don't know if you, I don't know how much of the uh, council testimony you heard, but one of, one of the councilmen who's who's against us said that they don't want outfalls either. So mm. what do you want? If you ask them what they want, we want more recycled water use and we want the injection wells for backup. They <laughs> want to get reelected. That's what it is. <laughs> yeah. And that's, you know, I wish people would come to us, the non-elected people. You know, we're, I, I just want to let your viewers know, I'm the lowest engineer that somebody with my education and background can possibly be in the county. So basically, you know, I have nothing to gain one way or another, except for my, what I believe is the right thing to do. Yeah. So here, I'm only here, I'm only involved this in this thing. I'm involved uh, trying to meet with people on my personal time because it's what I believe is the right thing to do for my children and for your, ch your, your I don't know if you have children. No. Oh, your future children? I Maybe. Know. Maybe. Know. Who knows? Question mark. <laughs> and, you know, for your nephews and nieces or whoever, yeah. the visitors, all the people that, you know, to enjoy Maui. I'm, this is, I believe this is the best thing. And this is coming from somebody who is in the know. Yeah. You know, not from a layperson. I'm, I'm in the system. I see what happens every day. I understand the, the regulations. Um, you know, as opposed to somebody with their, their emotion saying, oh, I can't imagine us. Well, what do you think when you pee into a, a stream? It, it eventually gets to the ocean. But we treat it to a much higher degree than that. Yeah. Yeah, I think people have gotten so dis disillusioned with uh, basically a republic over the, the functioning of, of the American republic. And uh -huh. they've, they've seen how things have gone wrong when they've, they've let our elected officials just do as they will, that they forgot how republics work, that you elect officials who are then tasked with speaking to subject matter experts and making decisions based on their ability to, to track down facts that the general public oftentimes doesn't have access to or, or time to, to do. And it's, it's tricky because sometimes when you elect people, um, they make your dreams come true. It's great. It's everything you imagined and more. And then a lot of times, most often, um, those people will disappoint you every now and then, even if they generally represent you. And, mm -hmm. and folks have been getting so focused on the disappointments and now there's this backlash and there's this recognition that, you know, if we all gang up, we can go point fingers and shout and wave signs and, <laughs> and you know, mock little girls that disagree with us. And, and then, you know, the politicians, it'll be direct democracy because they'll listen directly to the mob, the crowd that didn't have to go to work that day and can instead testify in council chambers. But that's a good thing. Otherwise, you just have politicians and uh, guys like me who are, are sort of pushing the narrative. But the, the shame is that we're, the lack of trust in our politicians is, is really what is eroding a lot of our institutions because you get a lot of decisions made on emotion that should really be made 
based on, on the knowledge and expertise of people who are working in the field. That's, that's my humble assessment of it all. The, the hard part about it is that, you know, for us, the boots on the ground, we're not paid to go and grant interviews to NPR, mm. you know, and then you get an organization like Earth Justice who has, man, they, they did a good job. They're NPR, they're on Civil Beat, yeah. they're Honolulu Advertiser, they're, they're selling their story. Yeah. You know? They're selling their one-sided story. And, you know, I think people realize how, how I'm, I, I'm not in the mayor's office or anything. So, you know, as a person, as, as the recycled water coordinator and as a, a private citizen, I, I actually contacted all these organizations. Not one responded to me. Not one asked me to, 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 for my side of the story. You know, nobody wants to hear it. The only, the only people that want to hear it is Maui News. Yeah. You know, they're, they're small enough to know that we're a small community. You should hear both sides of this issue, right? Yeah. And my voice here versus my voice in, in the state of Hawaii is, you know, it's my voice at least will resonate with the people around me. I don't think it'll get past to block in Honolulu. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> I... My my colleague uh, Lawrence Carnicelli was here last week. Um, yeah, I think that was last week, and we were joking around about how great of a job Sierra Club and Earth Justice did with their their materials, their, oh, yeah. their propaganda stuff. Yeah, it's it's a shame that the engineers uh, didn't learn how to use Photoshop and uh, and how to make. Fancy hey, we know graphics. spreadsheets. You know spreadsheets. spreadsheets. Come on. <laughs> you should just send out a uh, a very compelling spreadsheet to <laughs> to all the media outlets and see if they'll publish it. My favorite was the um, the list of of sides that that was put out. You know, like oh, the folks supporting Earth Justice. Mm-hmm. Um, craft brewers and, oh, yeah, and yeah. Democratic. It was that's good. That's, that was that's... so good. It was it was kind of you know if I'd have done it, people would have called it sleazy. But they did it, so it was great. I loved it. Um, man, we we talked a lot about this this injection well thing. Um, I think that I think let's let's let it rest. Let's, <laughs> let's let's let it rest until until it gets done with the Supreme Court. One thing that you did say that I want to echo, which is. You said you don't really care how the Supreme Court rules, just that you want clarity. Is is that like a? Did I say that? Well, well, you you said that. Um, I think we'll be okay one way or the other. Yeah, we'll be okay one way or the other. You just really want to know. I, I, you know what? I I do care how they 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 judge. You do. You know. We we've basically been called criminal polluters. Mm. And. The police, okay, so there's there's these laws, that these acts, you know, of 1972 and amended, whatever. I think us engineers, to, we carefully evaluate these, 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 um, these laws and, and, and act on them. To, we don't, and I don't know if you, you know many engineers, but we don't just merely... Okay, we're just gonna skirt right on the line. We, if you go to engineering school, they always talk, talk, talk to you about factor of safety, mm. right? We don't want to be on the line. Like if this was a speed limit, you wouldn't want to drive 55. You're gonna drive 54 because you want some percentage, uh, acceptable percentage of factor of safety. 
in case the in case the road is undulating and you're going downhill you might pick up speed so you need some calculated amount of time to slow yourself down etc et um, we have evaluated this law where the experts I know the other side likes to say you're not an attorney you know what I guarantee an attorney only helped to wordsmith the law mm. the engineer the environmental engineer was the one who said you know here is what we want and then the attorney helped to wordsmith the law so it, it really drives me crazy when some people who will remain nameless keep on pointing us and saying, you are you an, are you a, a an attorney mm. so anyways we we painstakingly try to follow the laws and then now we're this is a criminal this is criminal like we're criminal polluters yeah you know if that's why you get the fifty thousand dollar a day fines yeah you know it's this is a criminal act so this is this is vindication it, it is i mean all this time and they're not and the, and the police this is like i mean i don't know if this is a bad example but if this is the speed limit the police are like, well, we're not saying anything. <laughs> but the judge goes ahead and says, you know what? We're going to add a couple words to that speed, mi- speed limit. Like, um, you know, if it's warm, if it's, if, if, it's, if it's cold, you can't speed or something yeah. like that, right? Like some kind of vague description of conditions that's, that says, that they add to the law that says, okay, now you're, now you're not in compliance. Mm. But, you know, we've been working with the EPA and I, I'm going to say since the beginning of time because the EPA was formed in the 70s, right? Yeah. So we've been working with the EPA and the Department of Health since the beginning of time and all of a sudden now we're criminal polluters and, and like I said, look at Honolulu. Like they can dump dirty, dirty water right into the ocean and their, and their reef is completely dead and we're the ones. Yeah demonized it's like wow uh maybe you should have gone after somebody else you know they they talk about frackers god why didn't you go after the frackers why why did you come after us like we're just the municipality that cares actually you know we do care yeah i um i on this podcast a couple weeks back i think now i read an article that i i'll send you and it was a blog post from this blog called inverse condemnation and they it's a legal blog and they really did a great job of of breaking the procedure down to the bare bones and one of the things they pointed out was when they started this lawsuit when earth justice and and the plaintiffs started the lawsuit in 2012 Mm -hmm. they could not have anticipated the the present makeup of the court and so the the supreme court in 2012 was not something that, that they had believed um, they were potentially going to, to get up to. Because for, for many years, the Supreme Court wasn't even accepting Clean Water Act questions, uh-uh. especially not about this. So, so it's really a new development. The, it seems as though the plaintiffs were, were just trying to 
to push expansion of the water reuse program. They saw the Clean Water Act thing as a mechanism to do that through the courts. They never thought it was going to get to the Supreme Court. And it, it makes sense now looking at the actions because we had a settlement agreement in 2015 when the court was made up one way that says, yeah, sure, you can appeal to the Supreme Court. Mm -hmm. Then you get to present day and they see how the court is made up and they say, oh, no, 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 mm -hmm. you're not allowed to. We want to undo this agreement that we had before. It's, it's just ridiculousness. Um, I'm happy that, that you got to to come on here and I'm happy that you've been getting opportunities to, to share your point of view as, as somebody who is an expert who, who deals with this stuff on a daily basis um, and you know for your sake and for the sake of, of your program I really do hope that the the Supreme Court rules in favor of the county uh, also because I worry about the implications for homeowners I don't know if that's if that's reasonable to worry about or not, but I, I think I get paid to worry about that sort of thing. So that's why I'm worrying about it. I, I have a comment on that. And, you know, I'm, I don't have a cesspool, and, and it's not in my purview. But if you listen to their argument, they're like, well, they don't have enough, they don't have enough manpower to go after cesspools. What does that matter? If, if the law says it's illegal and you have one, is that's not a good feeling. Yeah. You know, forget, it, maybe, maybe it's like, maybe eventually they will have. This is not, this is not a, they don't have enough manpower. You know, all of a sudden, all of a sudden their side wants to get practical about it. Yeah. You know, forget the practicality of it. You know, first and foremost, my, my, my desire to go to the Supreme Court is vindication. But, you know, there's, there's a practical act, application afterwards, you know, all, of all the implications afterwards. But, you know, they're, they're coming with this, well, we don't care if it's illegal if the cesspools, you know, if cesspools directly, do, you know, it's, if it's against the law, if, if you're fighting for it to be against the law, and then all of a sudden you say, well, we don't care, you know, because, the, you know, because the little man's getting hurt. Not, not because they don't care, because the, uh, they don't have the infrastructure to enforce the law. That's their justification. Uh, it just doesn't sit well with me. I, th I think they should have said that to themselves behind closed doors before mm. they bring it, brought it out and said it out loud. One of my favorite bits of public testimony, uh, <coughs> they had somebody from the DOH go up there. And for, for hours, people were testifying, the Department of Health is never going to enforce against homeowners. That's not something we should worry about. And they had this, this guy from the Department of Health go up there, and he was talking about compostable toilets, which I'm a big proponent of. Uh -huh. But they asked him, they said, you know, does the Department of Health plan on, on going after homeowners for cesspools and septic tanks? And his response was, not yet, but I'm really pushing them to do that. And it's like, you have somebody from this agency that you're trying to, to claim will, will put up a block to protect homeowners saying that he's a proponent for, for going after homeowners based on this because he, you know, he has the environmental view in mind, mm -hmm. which bless that guy. God bless that guy for, for being so honest uh, and, and for, for taking a pretty brave stance to, to be open about his, his views uh, but boy, oh boy, that, that should have shot them in the foot, and it didn't. <laughs> we, we could talk about this all day, but I, I don't want to keep you here too much longer. Um, so let's, let's wrap it up a little bit. 
And I like to close up the, the interviews by asking the same sort of sets of questions to, to everybody. So you don't have to put too much thought into it. I thought about sending them to you ahead of time, but I didn't. So you're gonna have to deal with this, <laughs> sorry. So first easy wrap up question, what book would you recommend? What book? What book? Yeah. <laughs> it could be any. It doesn't have to be your favorite. Or even one that makes you look smart. Uh, let's come back to it. Okay, we'll come back to that. Uh, for, for me, I'll throw this out there uh, just in case you can't think of one. My, one of my, my favorite books is Lost Horizon by, um, what's his name, Hilton, James Hilton? Um, I think the author is correct, but I'm rereading Lost Horizon, and if anybody has not read Lost Horizon, uh, it's a great book about Shangri-La and stuff. Question two, what is guaranteed to make you smile? The, the noise that my kids make when I first get home. <laughs> they're, when, they're, when they're small, they're just so happy that you're home. So if, if you're, you know, kids aren't necessarily for everyone, but for those who are on the fence, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty awesome when, you, when somebody's so happy that you're home. <laughs> Although my wife, well, my wife makes, me ha makes me happy when I come home too. Yeah, <laughs> of course. Um, what goal do you have that you have not achieved yet? Jeez, man, this is, you really like to put the clamps on people. Maybe I got to get easier questions. Yeah, or send it, send it to them before I you should. come in. I, I get conflicting feedback on whether I should send them before. My, um, it's, it's more raw if you don't. <laughs> exactly. I'm going for the raw aspect of it. It's more conversational. Jeez, I don't know. Um, yeah. You know, I'd like to be a good father, a good husband, but, you know, I'm right in the middle of it, right? You're, you're, you don't get to be judged for your role as husband until, until, mm. until the end, right? You don't get to be judged for a good parent until the end. So, I mean, those are... Those are my main things right now. Yeah. I mean, you've, you've done something probably terribly wrong if you get judged for either of those before the end. <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's, that's the way to look that, at that's, that. That's a fear. <laughs> uh, what is something that you've learned recently? Jeez, I feel like I learned, I feel like I learned something every day. Um, the the thing is like enough to tell people about <laughs> oh. i got this question once on a job interview and luckily i had just learned that a group of flamingos is called a flamboyance <laughs> and i i pulled that out immediately like i think they were expecting me to to pause and really think it out but i was so excited i just flamboyance did, it get, did you get the job, though? No, I got a second interview, though. Okay. Uh, to be fair, <laughs> I probably, I almost certainly was not really qualified for that job at the time. I, I was just good at interviews, but then once we got to the practical point, 
because uh, th this job was with like an international development nonprofit, mm -hmm. and they had three sets of interviews, or two interviews, then a practical where they sent you like a file and they had you do a task, and then if you did good on that, they would fly you out for a third interview. And that was like the final interview before you found out if you got the job. I, I made it for, through the first two, um, and then that, that practical, I think it was my lack of experience with Excel that killed me because I had to use a spreadsheet. Oh, See, I mean, it gets you. It does. It'll burn you if you're not careful. Um, here's, here's something practical that I learned. I was, a, I was, I'm, I'm a, a white collar worker, but I, I actually have a little bit of blue collar background. Um, so I, I like to go out with the guys. So yesterday we were replacing two recycled water meters and I got to, uh, change out um, uh, how mechanically a flange coupling adapter works. That doesn't, I mean, I don't know if there's any more anticlimactic answer that you, except for if any engineers are listening. Oh yeah. <laughs> if, if there's any engineers that are listening, they're like, wow, that's cool. You got to learn how a, a flange coupling adapter mechanically works. Yeah. Um, but everybody else is like, like my wife is, uh, she's like, wake me up when the boring stops. <laughs> I'll, I'll have my brother-in-law listen to this episode. He'll probably enjoy it. He he very much has that that engineering mind. He's got like a PhD in physics. He's he's a uh -huh. brilliant guy. But it's it, before you brought up that um, that level of safety with uh -huh. your your speed limit example. Yeah. Uh, and it made me think of him because I do home improvement projects. And when I do home improvement projects, I generally don't have all the right tools or the right equipment or, or the right materials. So I kind of have to make things up when I go along a little sure. bit. And my brother-in-law, being you know engineering-minded and, and safety conscious, I was doing something. He's trying to explain to me why I can't do it this certain way. And I, I turned to him. I was like, man, trust me. <laughs> I have done much sketchier things than, than using this hole saw to, to drill a new, new saw. He's like, no, you're going to need backing this and that. I was like, yes, but that'll also take me several hours if I get the right <laughs> materials. I'm just going to do it this way. And it worked out well, uh, well enough. Nobody was hurt. But it, it is funny that you brought up that distinction with engineers. Um, all right. And if do you want to revisit the what, what's your favorite book or what book would you recommend? Well, I, I, I refrain from saying this because, you know, obviously a lot of people are not religious, but I, I read the Bible a mm. lot. So I read the Bible. I think it's a good, it's a good tool. I know that some of my Christian brothers and sisters out there use it as a hate to hate speech. Mm. But, uh, you know, I, I, I like to think of it as a love speech. Uh, so that, that, that would be the book. I mean, everything that I read is kind of boring to everybody. <laughs> I read this. Uh, uh, I, in my in my middle age, I, I sent my kids to jujitsu. So one other book I'm, as I'm re reading is a jujitsu book. Right on. Uh, I mean, and I don't think anybody wants to hear that. Oh, I mean, I'll talk about it for hours. I, I do jujitsu. I'm, oh, I'm I'm on a little bit of a, a hiatus right now, but oh, okay. yeah, I was, I'm I'm a blue belt in Brazilian jujitsu. Oh, you are. Jiu oh, yeah. awesome. You ever try jujitsu? No, no, I've been doing it for the last several months. Cool. What gym? It's uh, it's actually more of a club. It's called Fight for Life. Oh, okay. Uh, his name is uh, Clyde Holokai. So Clyde's daughter, who I haven't seen for a long time, she got up. She oh. was the one from Kamehameha Schools. 
And you know what? I never talk about. I, I don't want to talk to a bunch of cops about injection wells. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, so that I'll. We'll talk about that later. Yeah, we can talk to you. But, what, what do you recall the name of the book, the jujitsu uh, book? I think it's called Jujitsu University. All right, Ribera. You know, you know. Oh yeah, I, I get those ads. That's the Jujitsu University ads on uh, on social media or on Reddit. No, I think th- th- this is a. I think a Jiu-Jitsu, I think that's the Gracie University. Oh, you're talking about. This is a book. Maybe I've gotten ads for the Jujitsu University okay. book. This is this is a kind of an old book. A lot of people told me they have it on their beds. <laughs> a lot of crazy BJJ guys. Oh yeah, I mean jujitsu. Tim Stice probably is like he's he's one of the listeners, and I've I've talked to him about it for hours before. <laughs> he's probably perked up uh, listening to this conversation. But then and then another book I have on my desk is the denitrification cycle. <laughs> I'm gonna have to look that up. <laughs> it's not. It's it's a wastewater. I'm not. I mean, so like my list of books would not really. They're they're not like non. They're not uh, fictional books. They're not. Yeah. They're not literary. Well, it's okay. Sandy Baz <laughs> um, also said the Bible was okay, was his book that he would recommend. Do you have a, a particular book in the Bible that you're a fan of? No. Are you an Old Testament guy or New Testament? No, I I, I like. Paul. So there, um, there's a lot of books by Paul. I don't know yeah. how well you know the Bible. Oh, yeah. um, Acts was that Paul? Acts was Paul. Yeah, and um, um, Acts was. Yeah. I'm, I, I've got a background in religion. Okay. I'm not religious. But I mean, I you went background. to Citadel. They must be pretty. Oh, we had to go to church every Sunday for the the first semester of my my freshman year, and then I think the second semester they let us take off for Sundays. So, so that was a part of it. Um, and then my final question for you. What one piece of advice would you give to anyone listening? Wow. Mm. That's, that's, that's like, this is like Miss, Miss Universe kind of questions. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like world, world peace? Is that, is that the right answer? <laughs> I mean, world hunger? <laughs> I, you know, it could be something as simple as floss every day. Um, a lot of times folks like to, to give something a little bit more um, heartfelt, like, you know, love is the answer or uh-huh. just be kind to each other. Um, you know, I, I lean towards those, those hippy-dippy ones, but I, I like practical advice. Do you, do you have any practical advice on, uh, from an engineer? Well, I was going to more philosophical. Okay, go like philosophical. slow to anger, slow to speak, slow to anger. That's... <sighs> Everybody could use that advice. That's outstanding advice. But engineering advice, um, learn learn to use Excel. <laughs> learn to use Excel. Okay, that's a good place to stop. Well, uh, Albert, this has been awesome. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to come talk to us. Uh, you are you are always welcome. Thanks for having and, me. And um, yeah, let me know if there's anything we can help you with. Okay, I'll awesome. take it from there. All right, cool. Thanks. Take care.